Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discussed replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. This week is Certified Nurse Anesthetist Week. And what exactly is a certified nurse anesthetist? Well, we are going to learn about all the wonderful roles and, and abilities they have to be critical members of a care team for patients, both in the hospital and also in the clinics, as we talk to the Hawaii Association of Nurse Anesthetists President, Paige Ulak, and also the treasurer, Pamela Brasher. We're going to talk with both of these ladies this evening to hear about the expertise and level of training that they have, and also some unique roles that CRNAs, or Certified Nurse Anesthetists, are providing for patients in the hospital, and what are some ways they can help to solve some of the critical shortages that we have, not just here on the islands, but also throughout the entire United States. So thank you for joining me today, ladies. Thank you for having us. Now, to start off, a lot of folks don't, you know, I've had trouble pronouncing it, to be honest, uh, certified nurse anesthetists. In other words, certified nurse anesthesiologists. These are nurses who have gone through a high level of training to be able to provide care. Usually we think of the idea of anesthesia in operating rooms. But tell me a little bit about how does somebody become a certified nurse anesthetist or anesthesiologist? Absolutely. Um, so certified nurse anesthetists, certified registered nurse anesthetists are registered nurses that have at least a bachelor's degree um, with at least minimum year of experience in an ICU setting. Um, most have an average of about three and a half years prior to applying. So there's a significant amount of experience that they come into CRNA school with, um, in which they complete that program um, to become a CRNA. Uh, CRNAs are now masters or doctoral prepared. Um, there are 121 CRNA programs here in the United States, and 91 of them are already doctorate level. So CRNAs are very, very highly educated nursing professionals. Now, you mentioned that one year in an ICU type of a setting. What's unique about the ICU that provides the opportunity to get that level of learning to the expertise where you would consider going into an operating or an or an anesthesia environment. Is there something unique about ICUs that provide that additional level of training? We take this care of critically ill patients uh, that require ventilator support, um, blood pressure medication support, um, just managing their pathophysiology for extended periods of time while they are under our care. So it sounds like these yeah, are generally critically ill patients that, you know, you have to do intravenous medicines for. And in some cases, they might be on ventilators, so there might be some airway management. And the expertise that you get with that practical hands-on experience kind of helps you to transfer those skills even further. Yes, that is correct. Now, there's some unique aspects of what happens in an operating room and, and what's occurs when somebody's about to have a surgery and the process of anesthesia. For those people who might not have ever had a surgery, can you describe what that process is like? Sure. Sorry, sure, I want to make sure Pam. we're not talking over each other. I, Pam, do you want sure. To Pam, how about you take that one for us? Yeah, I'll take that one. So if uh, the day of surgery, someone's coming in, oftentimes we see patients that just prior to going into the OR with them, so they have no real relationship or, or um, bond 
created. So it has to be pretty quickly communicated to the patient. Trust has to be gained and um, going over what they can expect. So their pre-op history is taken, IV is started. Once the patient is wheeled into the operating room, it's a whole team effort. So the nurse anesthetist is part of a collaborative team. There's an operating room nurse, a tech, surgeon, and also trainees that are oftentimes in our ORs that are, um, you know, always um, supervised. So, but when the patient comes in, their monitors go on, blood pressure, medication is given through their IV that very quickly allows the patient to become either fully asleep or sedated depending on the surgical procedure. And the nurse anesthetist is with the patient from start to finish and then providing safe, effective care until patient gets to recovery room where that handoff is given to a, a trained recovery room nurse. So in some cases, there might be a need for a patient to be fully under anesthesia, in which case they might need to be put on a ventilator. And some other situations, they might just need to be sedated where they can still breathe for themselves. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. So in this kind of situation, I think you need to have somebody there who's managing the patient, making sure that the anesthesia is enough. They're getting, you know, they're monitoring vital signs. And there are some ways that you can determine if somebody needs extra management or extra medicine while they're under anesthesia. Paige, how about you tell us a little bit about what sort of critical things that you look at when you have people that are under anesthesia that help you to understand whether or not they need more or less anesthesia. Are there signs that you've become familiar with that would help somebody to understand that? Yes. So while the patient is under anesthesia, they are fully monitored throughout the duration. Um, We monitor heart rate. Um, Anytime that a patient is experiencing pain, you would expect to see an increase in their heart rate. Um, We expect to see an increase in their blood pressure. Um, If there was a, if there were, they were experiencing pain or discomfort, um, Things like watching their breathing, how big of a breath they're taking, how frequently they're breathing are all indicators of anesthesia depth. It requires all of those things be taken into account. Um, one on its own may not indicate that there could be a problem, but watching all of those numbers consistently throughout their procedure, um, and that's, that's why we're there, is to, to watch those monitors, watch those vital signs, look for those changes, make sure that we're providing safe care throughout the the procedure. Now, Pam, when we think about people who are observing someone in the operating room and making sure that everything's occurring the way that it should, it sounds to me like this would be, you know, a situation where nurse anesthetists can pretty much practice independently. You may have you may have an anesthesiologist who is helping out for anybody who has some some particular extra needs, but in this case it sounds like as as there are with other types of uh, high-level nurse practitioners, that independent practice is something that is fairly familiar with nurse anesthetists. Is that right? Absolutely. Advanced practice nurses are very skilled, and nurse anesthetists are one of the four advanced practice nursing specialties that most people just aren't as familiar with. Like there are nurse midwives, there are nurse practitioners, and then clinical nurse specialists specialist and nurse anesthetist. So the four of all of us are able to fully work within our full scope of practice and provide that care to the patient, which is 
actually even much more cost effective depending on the setting that the nurse anesthetist and the patient is being seen in. Well, everybody's looking at things that are cost-effective these days, and I know that that's a buzzword for everybody to make sure that we can provide the best level of care at the most reasonable cost and to, to hopefully help improve patient outcomes as we deal with issues regarding health care. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about certified registered nurse anesthetists and what are some of the unique ways that they've helped support patients throughout the entire United States, particularly during the time of coronavirus. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm pleased to be joined by the Hawaii Association of Nurse Anesthetists President, Paige Ulak, and also Treasurer Pamela Brasher. These are both highly educated women who are certified registered nurse anesthetists. And today we're talking about what the role of that profession is and how they have really supported the hospitals and the community, particularly during the time of COVID. So, Paige, I'm curious, what has your experience been thus far with dealing with the issues with coronavirus? I'm certain that you've unfortunately seen patients who have been infected by this. And what are you and your colleagues seeing and having to do to support the clinical team taking care of these folks when they're sick? We have seen an unfortunate amount of coronavirus at Queens. Um, I work with a team of physicians and CRNAs, and we all are part of a team that provides anesthesia services to um patients that are infected with coronavirus that need surgical care. As airway experts, we are constantly making sure that we're providing that care to patients if they need to be intubated for surgeries or if they need to be intubated outside of the operating room in the ICU. Um, And making sure, you know, we're just making sure that um, these patients get the care that they need um, in a timely manner and that we're not having to delay procedures because of COVID. Well, and I know that the choice to intubate a patient who is infected with coronavirus is a difficult one because, you know, there are some significant issues with low oxygen levels that we're seeing in patients that often dip pretty quickly when somebody gets sick with coronavirus and require some management. I know in the beginning of the pandemic, there was a thought that the sooner someone was put on a ventilator, that would be better for them. But then as the people that we have studied subsequent to that have recovered and some have not. The scientific community has decided that maybe we have to be extra careful, you know, if they definitely need a ventilator, do that. But uh, we have to make sure we support them in other ways with their breathing. So, you know, I'm curious, Pam, what have you seen through the pandemic? And have you seen some changes in the way that that people are managed in the hospital because of this serious illness? Well, I think at my facility, we're very, I'm very fortunate in that it's been very well um, organized, and we are, as anesthesia providers, very much supportive of our ICU team and being available as needed and present at, to do, be the airway expert, um, as indicated. Um, we also have done really well in being able to get back up to our regular surgical schedule. And that's 
been done very strategically and all the testing has been done prior to making sure that there's no surgical patient exposed in any way, shape or form. So we have really limited and made sure that there's no exposure in any way. And we also cover our labor and delivery. We have different labor and delivery areas that are sectioned off that are for COVID possible patients. And we're very fortunate that we've seen very few cases at my facility. So now both of you also have gone to some of our neighbor islands to provide services there as well. What have been your what have your experiences been like there, Paige? Um, I have not provided anesthesia services off of Oahu. I have been um, practicing only at Queens. Do you see people coming to Queens from the neighbor islands? But we do see a lot of patients that come in to Queens from the neighbor islands. Yes. And what sort of conditions require that they come over to Oahu? Uh, there's a very limited access of care uh, for patients that live on outer islands. Um, some are not as affected, like Big Island has more access than, say, Molokai. Sure. Um, we see patients frequently for things as basic as just coming over for what we call a transesophageal echo, a, a, an ultrasound of the heart that requires anesthesia um, if to work up if they need any kind of like invasive heart procedures. Um, We have patients that need their diabetes managed, and they come here, and we find that they have a lot of other underlying conditions that may need surgical care. We see patients that really need very, very basic access to care here on Oahu because they just can't get it um, on outer outer islands. Well, and I think it's difficult, you know, when you you go and see the beauty and witness the the incredible just relaxation. I was just recently on Lanai, and I thought this is just a wonderful place to be. Sometimes it's difficult when you have medical needs, and the medical community tries to do their best, but it's hard to provide full-level services like we luckily have here on Oahu. Uh, but certainly there's there's always the transfer and the transport, and coming over on a plane is sometimes not the most comfortable or convenient thing to do. Pam, have you had experiences with some of the neighbor islands? Yes, I have, um, mainly just in a uh, the transportation part. Well, when commuting back and forth, say, from Outer Island of Kauai, there, I'm always on a flight whenever there's more than one patient on that flight because of the access to care and the level of care that they aren't able to receive on the smaller island of, of Kauai. So, and it's not unique only to Kauai, as Paige said, you know, even Big Island, as big as it is, they do have care facilities, but they can't really provide the level of care that a patient could receive with the with the services that we have here in Honolulu. So it's it's ongoing, and it that's an access to care issue that, in some ways, nurse anesthetists could be part of that uh, potential solution for patients being able to ha- receive care on their home island. What are some of the ways that you think that people in your profession could help? Um, One thing that comes to my mind is the chronic pain. We have acute and chronic pain management certification that is beyond what our just regular training is. It's an additional scope of practice skill that is um, after, after receiving our nurse anesthesia training. 
and nurse anesthetists are in those practices providing like um, like the steroid injections for pain control for back chronic back pain other chronic pain problems and that allows patients to easily receive that treatment get home to their own home without doing the whole airport and screening and everything that goes into traveling so and also with the limited flights these days it really has made that a challenge for people to have their access to care well i would agree with that you know sometimes just Getting to the airport, getting there early enough, going through screening, even on a normal day without even thinking about COVID, that can be a long process. And then flights can sometimes give a challenge to people who have severe back pain. They may not be comfortable in in the airline seat and may want to get up and walk around and there may be turbulence. So I can certainly see where, particularly for certain areas and medical conditions people have, it would be ideal to have access to care right where they live. I think that would provide that added convenience, and also limit the potential that their symptoms could get worse before they receive the the pain treatment that they need. So, all right, we need to get more of you guys out there. We need to really provide a level of services to some of the folks who unfortunately might be victims of the the shortage of medical professionals in our various neighbor islands. So we've, we've certainly got to work on that. Now, I'm curious, Paige, you mentioned earlier about some of the benefits of having a nurse anesthetist help out with some of the chronic pain and opioid cases. And I think that's something that, you know, not just even doing procedures, but also looking at some of the holistic pain management ways to try and help somebody. You know, I think we've probably all trained in the era of trying to provide pain relief by giving as much narcotic as is necessary to resolve the pain. But over time, I think the medical community has realized that that was not long-term, the most judicious way to go about treating treating pain. So what are some of the ways that you think nurse anesthetists can help out in that area? You know, I sort of foresee this idea of, you know, a clinic that they can help patients to go see and look at some of the other modalities of practicing pain medicine and other other treatments that might not be something that we think about right straightforward, sort of like chiropractic and acupuncture and combination of all that holistic evaluation of pain and treatment together. Is that something you think nurse anesthesiologists would be able to do? Absolutely. I, you know, even starting back in the, just starting in the operating room, a difference that nurse anesthesiologists can make is making sure that we're giving appropriate amounts of opioids, but using a multimodal approach. So making sure that we're covering all of the different receptors that are that cause pain response. The things that we're seeing now are low narcotic techniques, low opioid techniques, but using what we call regional anesthesia, um, numbing the site that's affected, using, excuse me, like IV Tylenol, um, IV Tordol, different medications that we can affect pain management and not have to use a lot of narcotic. Um, Other things that we're seeing are practices called ketamine clinics where patients are able to go in um, and have you know, other other modalities to try to manage depression, um, which becomes a big issue for a lot of chronic pain patients. Um, there's absolutely a place for anesthesia providers, for nurse anesthesiologists to see patients in that in that setting. 
All right. Well, we're just giving you guys a whole list of jobs. You're going to cure the neighbor island shortage of medical care, and we're going to get you guys in holistic uh, pain management. I sign, sign everybody up. I think this is a great plan. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about some of the some of the myths that might be out there about certified registered nurse anesthetists and what are some of the goals and things that their community is looking forward to doing to help expand healthcare services, not just here in the islands, but throughout the whole U.S. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Hawaii Association of Nurse Anesthetists President uh, Paige Ulak and Treasurer Pamela Brasher. They are both certified registered nurse anesthetists, and this is Nurse Anesthetist Week. So we are talking about ways in which this particular professional can help us to, in a variety of areas, to help manage patients, not just when they're in the operating room, but also beyond what we think might be the areas where they can be effective. There's so many different ways in which we can help patients together collectively as a team-based approach. So now right before the break, we were talking a little bit about ways in which holistic pain medicine can be considered another scope of practice for a nurse anesthetist. I'm curious, Pam, what are some of the questions that maybe you've heard early on or maybe some of your colleagues have heard, things that people wonder and don't understand what CRNAs do? What are some of the things that they don't realize you guys are involved in and and they have a myth that maybe you're not? Sure. Well, most people have no idea because when they come for surgery, we're all wearing a mask. So patients really, and even their family members, don't always even have the knowledge that it's a nurse anesthetist that is providing the care. They just want to have surgery and not have pain or not remember anything. So it's um, really just about providing that that education to the patient right from the get-go as to who we are, you know, and that what our educational background is, if needed. Patients don't always ask that. But I think it, it goes even beyond that because people having a colonoscopy in the GI clinics, you know, they oftentimes that's a nurse anesthetist. People in a plastic surgery working, you know, there's anesthetists providing services for a plastic surgeon. Um, and that's a very independent setting as well. Or even in dental, you have pediatric dentists that oftentimes will use an anesthesia provider, which could be a nurse anesthetist to provide that service and level of attention and safety to for the patient and their families. So one of the myths is people don't know who you are, but in fact, you know, you're available in a variety of care settings. I recently had a fun dental experience myself and boy, I would have loved to have had a certified registered nurse mm-hmm. anesthetist so I didn't have to feel the joy of a root canal. That would have been wonderful. But uh, it certainly sounds like there are multiple areas where you're involved in a care setting that some people may not realize. Where do you see, Paige, I'm curious, where do you see the profession leading towards? I know that when when the pandemic was declared, there was, you know, even CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, removed physician supervision of CRNAs in the states that required it. Not all states do. 
where do you see the the profession going in the future? You know, we've sort of the whole entire change with coronavirus led people to take another look at how we're doing things. You know, telemedicine has become a huge area that has just blown out out of what we ever thought it would to to a huge proportion of the visits we do now in a way that we never used to do before. So I think there are some ways in which we have learned to take a look at how we could do things differently. Where do you see things going in the next couple of years? With the training and the education that nurse anesthesiologists have, um, I foresee that that in the next 10 to 15 years that CRNAs will be practicing um, at their full practice capabilities in all 50 states. We are at a critical shortage of anesthesia providers uh, across the board and utilizing resources in the safest and most cost-effective cost way is going to be the absolute priority uh, as we move forward in the, in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. Pam, any thoughts on that? Absolutely. I echo what, what Paige has just said. And, you know, the other area that we also provide much of the services are in labor and delivery. So people coming in, having a baby, oftentimes that service is provided by a nurse anesthetist. And, it is so true. Full scope of practice for nurse anesthetists, you know, at the top of our game and really utilizing all those skills to provide better outcomes for patients and actually the surgeons and facilities as well. So I know there have been a lot of studies that have looked at the comparison between having anesthesiologists and having nurse anesthetists. And essentially, they found that great care can be provided by either one of those different trained professionals and that there really isn't a difference in how patients are cared for. So even with, you know, medical doctors doing anesthesia or certified nurse anesthetists doing anesthesia, great outcomes happen in both situations. That's correct. Um, There was actually a big landmark study back in 2010 um, that showed that um, we were extremely cost-effective and then numerous studies have come out and shown that there's no difference at all in outcomes between physician-only team or CRNA-only. So the, the results definitely speak for themselves. We are excellent anesthesia providers. Well, if I ever need anesthesia, I'm going to call one of you ladies and say, hey, <laughs> please come meet me at the dentist. Let's hope I don't have to do that again. But um, it would be much pleasure. Yeah, I'm certain I'll need your help soon. Well, I want to thank both of you for really explaining some of the roles of nurse anesthetists. I think that it's an exciting change to the profession. You know, I look back a couple of years ago to how we started to allow and and open up our care team to include nurse practitioners that do some of the same primary care that I do for patients and they work great as a team member to help provide that holistic care for patients and do things that you know will help to enhance their care call about blood pressure and also work with diabetes management and you know we found that in a lot of cases creating that team-based approach is really the answer to not just providing great care for patients but also to alleviating some of the shortages that we have in a variety of areas. So it sounds like both of you see the same opportunities in the world of nurse anesthetists. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Absolutely, Kathleen. 
Well, I, I welcome the opportunity. I want to thank all of the certified registered nurse anesthetists. This is your week to be celebrated, and the great care that you provide is always welcomed and certainly something that you know I, I appreciate. And anybody who's ever going through a surgery always wants to make sure that they have one of the biggest concerns that I've talked to patients about is making sure that they have adequate pain control. And certainly this is one way that they can achieve certified pain pain control from providers that'll do a fabulous job. If you want to hear more about CRNAs, you can always go to the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists or the AANA.com and they will tell you more. Thanks again to Paige Ulak and to Pamela Brashner of the Hawaii Association of Nurse Anesthetists for joining us today to help celebrate the week of their profession and explain more about the critical role that these folks have as part of the members of the care team. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will see you next week when we talk more about health topics right here on The Body Show. Woo!